Ms. Ostapenko has no challenges remaining. Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. Actually going to talk about the draws here after a long preamble with Tumana Carriol, which was good. It's some good stuff. And if you haven't heard that episode yet, uh, lots of topics we t- covered. The Wozniacki comeback, the Saudi money in the sport, the WTA commitment to equal prize money, the sort of state of the WTA and sort of the crisis potentially of sort of interest in it. Um, actually, one thing I didn't mention that episode, Tumani, I should ask this back there. But did you watch the new Netflix? I have not watched the second batch of Netflix yet, have you? I've watched some of it. I haven't watched all of it, to be honest. Okay. I, I just think also, <laughs> so scatterbrained, that like that was kind of make or break for them, and I'm not sure it's made. I think, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like yeah. it's working as a, as a bet. So I'm curious how that goes for them uh, in the second half. But let's get to the draws here. The draws are what we're here to talk about on this draw show. The draw was earlier today at Wimbledon. Very classically efficient Wimbledon draw. They get right to it. No preamble. We had lots of preamble. They had no preamble. They cut right to the chase at Wimbledon. Uh, we love it. And they started with the women. So we'll start with the women too. Um, do you not love it? Sorry. You. I do not love the, the pronunciations of, of the names. I do not love the fact that we've had Julia Pegula two years in a row. I do not love that, to be honest. Two years in a row, Julia Pagula. I will say Julia has not been the same kind of player that uh, that Jessica was. I mean, Julia did not have a great result there last year, so not who you want to have playing no. matches for you, um, Jessica. Um, no. Any other name highlights that, that were special? I did like um, Barnaby's or Pato Morales. Barnaby's like a very, um, <laughs> I don't know, it sounds very English. Yeah. Not what you want for Spanish. No, there were a few. There were a lot. Oh yeah, Vera Gretchen instead of Vivara. It, it it was endless. It was it was one. Like, is it strange. something where like they're yeah. just getting like the initial and just guessing what the first name is? I don't know. What is that? What is Vera? That's not even close. Yeah. That's missing like a syllable I, there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It's it's just yeah. I know like obviously Wayne McEwen who does the draw in Australia over here. He has some wild pronunciations of things like what he ever whatever he said about felix oj aliasim was complete next level if you <laughs> uh, let's get to this women's draw here started with iga Svantec. iga Svantec, i think is a winner in a lot of ways right now iga Svantec, i think has had her stock rise maybe almost more than anybody in the grass lead-ups for me which it's kind of it's kind of silly because she's number one and she played three matches against kind of unremarkable opposition but last year uh, so she, for those of you who haven't seen, she won three rounds in uh, the WTA 250 at Bad Homburg in Germany, the small cross court event there this week. And then she pulled out, um, said she had food poisoning or just wasn't feeling well before her semifinal. But she was getting good score lines, looked comfortable and and motivated on the grass. And those are not things she had last year. Last year, she came to Wimbledon still on that enormous win streak because she had reeled off since February of that year. And she just looked kind of burnt out and checked out and just not really engaged, honestly, in a lot of that tournament and made it to the third round, but it wasn't pretty to get to that third round. And yeah, and so that was dispiriting for her and just wondered sort of how much the, the grass would be a mental block for her going forward as it, so, it can be for players. But early returns, extremely positive for Iga. I don't mind at all that she pulls out before, you know, she got the match prep she needs in three matches. I don't think it actually matters that much that she wasn't playing top players. I think it was for her more about the surface and the comfort there than anything. Um, so I don't mind that she was playing relatively anonymous players in this Bad Homburg tournament. And I think her draw at this tournament at Wimbledon is really great. She opens against Zhu Lin uh, and then Trevisan or Srubes Tormo. 
So not a lot of accomplished grass quarters there. Could play Petra Martic in the third round, who's also not a very comfortable grass court player. Or, you know, Dart, Diane Perry, or Linda Fruverdova. Fourth round could be Bencic, who uh, has never had a great Wimbledon result as a pro, uh, but does like grass uh, in theory. So it's yeah. kind of an interesting draw. And she's played Bench- uh, Shantak Tough before. Um, so that could be potentially an interesting fourth round. But I think she's a huge draw winner. Uh, Magdalena is the other seed, 23 seed there. Yeah, I think I think Shantek is a huge draw winner. To move ahead a little bit in conversation, uh, quarterfinal she could face Coco Goff is the high seed seven, who she's been so dominant against in her career, or uh, Kasakina is the eleventh seed there. Azarenka and Mertens also in that section. Um, we'll get to those a bit more granularly, but I just want to start with Iga's sort of road to the semis. I think it's really clear, actually even final if we want to even go that far, because the other seeds she she avoided Sabalenka and Rabakina, who are the two tough other players in this quote unquote big three of the women. I think she couldn't have asked for a much better draw, honestly. I, I think she's got to be incredibly happy with this. And I think it's, yeah, I think her odds should be shortening considerably and the stock should be rising for, for buying Iga for Wimbledon. I think she's. I think she has to be seen as a legit title contender at this point, even with relatively little data on grass. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, I, I think in, in, in regular times, Bencic, she would have been a player to cycle, but Bencic has been injured and hasn't played since the French Open, I, I don't think. Um so yeah, I, I think this is a draw that should, in, in theory, give give her the opportunity to find her find her form, find her rhythm. Um, no one's going to overpower her and rush her. Really, you know, Martic isn't going to do that. Again, Benchich is someone you know with, with her early ball striking who could, but it doesn't seem to be in in the best you know best form. So Saros Rubens Thomas certainly isn't going to do that. Neither is Martina Trevisan. So yeah. so yeah, I think this is this is a a good draw for her to, again, continue to find her feet on grass and to gain confidence, um, which she seemed to be doing in, in Germany already. So, yeah, I think she can't complain. And, and as, as you said, she'll be in a completely different um, frame of mind this year compared to last year when when she had that um, the, the streak weighing down on her and just the whole, you know, just doing everything for the first time and, and trying to deal with everything, being world number one and her life basically changing and all of that. Yeah. And I, I think she should she should be a lot more refreshed and um, more centered, you know, going into Wimbledon. And, and I think this would be just. I think for her, she should just um, approach this tournament as as an opportunity to see how how, how she can do, how how well she how well she can do on the surface that she obviously doesn't that doesn't favor. Um, so yeah, um, I, I think. It's, it's, I think it will be instru- instructive for us and instructive for her. And, and compared to other tournaments, the pressure should be lower for her. No, I think I think that if she gets her headspace right, and she's been very good at doing that, and obviously famously, you know, a lot of coverage of her work with the sports psychologist, Daria Bravitz, in terms of finding that right balance, I think Iga's been very good at that, with the exception of last year Wimbledon, honestly, of finding that right balance of of pressure and no pressure right like there's no pressure because she's never done anything on grass as a pro she did win, win junior wimbledon by the way but she's always discounted that saying the grass was playing very differently that year uh, but she d- did win junior wimbledon um, in terms of her grass resume she yeah she has good signs reasons to be optimistic but also you know she's never made it to the quarterfinals here as a pro so why make it a disaster if it doesn't happen again you know like i think she can find that kind of sweet spot hopefully 
and ride that really well. I remember also in terms of last year, I remember also the Wimbledon, sorry, the Netflix camera started following her during last year's Wimbledon. That was a first for her. And that maybe added to the sort of newness and strangeness of it. Also, I think IMG was kind of really coming on board uh, management wise during Wimbledon. I remember seeing Max, uh, Max Eisenbud around her a lot suddenly that tournament at Wimbledon. So yeah, just a lot of different things were happening and a lot of things were changing fast for her. Yeah. So, so I, I just think she's in good shape uh, here to, to be uh, doing that in terms of the, the only the only interesting names I've seen in this in this eighth are a couple fourth round names. So I'm not even sure they could threaten Iga per se. Magdalenette, I've not seen tons of her on grass, but she just did make a Australian Open semifinal this year. I think her game would work okay on grass. I, I, I don't know her results. I've, I should check that. I mean, the other one I want to just circle just because it's just because she's wonderful and a delight. It's Barbara Schwitzova who's playing her last Wimbledon. She confirmed. Uh, has come back from having a kid at pretty ranking. I don't know she'll, what she'll play beyond uh, Wimbledon, but uh, she's in the section of the draw. But again, it's one of those things like, and she has made a semifinal of Wimbledon in the past in 2019. She played three in the semis, uh, beat Kanta in that quarterfinal. If Stritzova is super, super vintage, you know, that could be someone who could be tricky for Iga because she's, uh, you know, really chops it up and really mixes it up well. And it's really, really savvy grass court player. But she's also just obviously, as she will first admit, so past her, her, prime in a lot of ways in terms of i've been a full-time tour player um this is she's barely played events um so i don't know if she's ready to challenge in that way and the other name who's a big hitter who i would just in effort of completeness here danielle collins who made the australia open final just last year another name who didn't really latch on who was a top 10 player and closing in on top five and yet just got another player who kind of got started and then stopped uh, women's tennis uh frustratingly uh danielle collins uh has not been informed this year either so I could see Colin, if Collins uh, gets, and also Shantek clobbered Collins at some point earlier this year, because Collins did beat Shantek in that Australian Open semifinal last year uh, pretty handily. Uh, but uh, Shantek has gotten her revenge since then. So nothing too, too uh, tricky for, for Iga, I think, really in this quarter, certainly. And then only a couple people who could come out in the semifinal would be tricky. We'll get to them later. Um, but I think the quarter, for me, looks pretty clear for for the number one. Um, assuming she yep. has her feet and is feeling well and everything. Yep, I, I agree. I, I should. I, I, speaking of Trisavar, um, going back to um, uh, Wimbledon qualifying, um, her, her long-time doubles partner Suwe was really oh. something actually to, to watch her um, just battling for almost three hours in the final match. You know, the final qualifying match, um, the final spot for grabs. She had match point. Um, she missed it, ended up in a first set tie break, saving match points here and there, and and then had a medical timeout on nine all in, in the third set <laughs> um, match tie break, which is crazy um, for her foot. Um, but that that aside, it was it was quite it just it felt it was really impressive just to see. Obviously, she's thirty seven. She uh, had an eighteen month break just to, just to see. Someone in, as we, as we discussed in the previous podcast, in, in the middle of a field, just bat, battling and, and giving everything. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy the, the moments of seeing the veterans just still loving the sport they're playing after yeah. so many years. As, as, as there is another one in this section coming. That's a perfect segue to Venus Williams, I think. Right, because it's talking about battling in a field, Venus Williams goes and plays Sir Togenbosch for the first time at this Grass 250 to start her first tournament of the season. Or sorry, no, her first tournament in months because she played Auckland and got hurt very first week of the year. 
hasn't played since then. She played two matches in Auckland against Volley Nets and Zhu Lin, I believe. I should say, like, those matches aged really well. Yeah. She, she, she was first having for the third set, I think, against Zhu Lin, and then got injured, and then suddenly Zhu Lin's in the fourth round of, of the Australian Open. Yeah, and, and Volley Nets beat uh, Kuda Matova in Melbourne as well, yeah. so that, was also, that also aged well. Volley Nets also, uh, she's not in this part of the draw, but uh, she... Made a recent cameo on the most recent uh, Daria Kasakina uh, vlog with her with her girlfriend and is speaking Russian, uh, so that was that's, that's interesting to see. Anyway, Venus plays against Celine Knife in uh, in Sertogen Bosch, loses that uh, to a uh, wild card there who's not in the show, I don't think, and then uh, and then plays uh, Birmingham and gets a really hard fought win against Camilla Georgie. Uh, Venus has a slip and fall uh, early in the match uh, and then. Georgie, you know, shouts like some sort of ale as Venus is lying on the ground. And Georgie never makes noise. So for her to choose this moment to shout her ale was a choice by, by Camilla Georgie in a, in, a, in a career full of choices. And yeah, wow. Um, but anyway, Venus wins. And, it's just a, and it's just a delight to see her there. And also I would mention in, in Sertogenbosch, like the whole family showed up. Like Serena went to Sertogenbosch. Like her other sisters were there too. It's like a family reunion for everyone watching Venus's... Uh, match here so there was some controversy or some whatever some some complaining people when she got her wild card wimbledon and other places like oh she's 43 like doesn't need a wild card like no she needs all the wild cards she could possibly get like as we said in the previous episode now at this point wta is in a time a transitional time uh between you know sort of star eras and venus is a rare gift to the sport to have someone who would normally be in the legends draw still out there you know in the main draw uh filling seats and, and this match against Fidelina should absolutely be on center court, honestly, a uh, former, you know, year-end champion, uh, lots of big titles for Fidelina, former semifinals Wimbledon from Ukraine, turning mom against Venus Williams. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, those are two very interesting draws and a testament to sort of the, the durability of the sport. So even if the match is, you know, Venus's level has been scratchy. She kind of wins ugly a lot of times these days, but she competed really well in Birmingham. Uh, especially. Uh, so I, I will be tuning in to watch her whenever she's playing, for sure. She's just yeah. compelling. Yeah. And Selena is an interesting matchup, actually. Yeah. And I, I should say, I went up to Birmingham um, for the second round match against Ostapenko, and that was insane in its own way, um, because um, Ostapenko was, was up a set and seemed to be heading to, to quite an easy place. Um, Venus had to hurt her... Um, you know, in the, in the, in the match against Georgie, she hurt her knee, and then, in, in this match, she picked up, like, an, in, a, a thigh injury or something, and she had a medical timeout, and she was limping, but then she just found something, and somehow, some way, you know, forced the, forced the third set, and gave herself chances to win against what turned out to be the eventual champion. And, so yeah, so it's, it's, she, even, even when she's just scrapping, in first and second round matches, and after after a long time ago, seeing her winning slams and you know winning thirty five matches in a row, she's still um, just gripping, and and you still yeah. want to to see it. It's just fascinating and interesting to me to see how she's how her expectations have adapted over the years, and and how she's still gone with that, and how you know winning one match um, meant the world to her. Um, yeah. Given all that she's achieved, totally. And she does it with this like real 
joy and just like that interview that especially after, after the reaction she had to beating georgie was was huge and then even the interview she's just so happy she's just like kind of a little bit self-deprecating at times almost like i haven't been on tour for years but like it's just and that's that's a really good way that was the you know georgie's a, a good player and a good grass player too yeah it's no ifs and buts about that win that's a real real win uh, for her there and and yeah it, it's a it's a just it's a joy you know we were talking in the previous episode just about how you know, can feel fraught in women's tennis sometimes with people, players being, you know, burnt out physically, mentally, emotionally, and not hanging in there. And so to see someone who so clearly just wants to be there and so clearly just, like, loves tennis and, like, can't think of anything else they'd rather be doing with their life uh, in a good way in this context, like, that's that's inspiring and refreshing and cool just to see her, her still wanting it this much um, and still putting this much in and working so hard for a lot less, you know, in a lot of ways and results and even just form. Like, you know, she's not moving like she certainly not moving like she used to. She used to be one of the fastest players ever, if not the fastest ever at peak of her when she was first yeah. on tour. Just raw raw athleticism and speed she had as a teenager and in her early 20s. You know, yeah, that she's doing so much to keep going is, is really cool. Um, and yeah, this Fidelina match, like I said, I hope it's on a big stadium. Uh, Svitolina, you know, has played a lot more, which is, even though she hasn't played much, she's played a lot more than Venus. And so I think Svitolina is probably a slight favorite in that match, but Venus on a big grass court, you can never count her out. So it would be great to see her yeah, get that chance um, there uh, in this section. Second round would be against Elisa Mertens or Veronica Ronchakova, who is formerly, uh, sorry, excuse me, Victor- very Wimbledon draw of me, Victoria Ronchakova, <laughs> who was previously Victoria Kuzmova, who people may remember uh, from her pre-marriage name. Yeah, Mertens, Mertens has been playing pretty well. Uh, it's not an easy section after that. And then third round could get Coco Golf, and Coco Golf gets another one of the marquee first round matches against uh, Sophia Kennan, who was the 2020 Australian Open champion and French Open runner-up that year, the 2020 WTA player of the year. She made it through qualifying. Uh, she fell out of the top 400 at some point in the last uh, two years, uh, but she's steadily kind of coming back. She had a win in that final round against Taylor Townsend, which is a pretty good win on, on grass. And yeah, it's a fun, fun section, actually. It's a really, really loaded little little uh, 16th of the draw, that, that Goff, Mertens, and everyone in between section there. Other part of this is Kasakana. I think Goff is probably a favorite just because she's played well and had good runs and she's done a good job in, in her in her career largely of, of sorry in her career but especially even year of beating players ranked below her and she is the high seed here so I kind of expect her to be able to get through to a quarter and then lose to Shvantec potentially but uh, what do you make of this how the section could shake out and any other particular first rounds you want to discuss well, yeah, I think obviously Kazakina is in the final in, in Eastbourne, so she, she's found after a while she found some good form. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think this is a good, she has a good chance, I think, to, to go deep. Um, obviously, Goff also was, was playing quite well in, in Eastbourne. She lost in the semi-final to Keys. So I think Goff is the, the, clearly the favorite to reach the quarters, and she's, she's, um, Shown that she's she can kind of navigate stem draws and um, but I, I also yeah a, a few a few of the players in this section could I think advance. Um, what what do you think? Yeah, no, I think golf is my pick and in, in Sakina yeah is playing well. Um, I have a question about Sakina Azarenka and and uh, and its next section. This uh, go to the Pagula quarter here. 
a Samsonova, who's also a relevant player, I think, on grass, having won Berlin before, um, and is, I think, a good part of the draw for herself. What do you think it's – what is your sense from just – this is more of a media question, honestly, than even a player question or even a fan question. What do you? What is the sense of how the Russians and Belarusians are going to be treated at Wimbledon this year, uh, both by press and by public, after coming back from their ban? How much will that be a factor? Uh, obviously, it was a big story in Paris, you know, various booings of, of matches and handshakes and whatnot and – the Lukashenko of it all with Sabalenka. Like, what? What do you think? We sort of talked with trepidation about what it could be like Wimbledon. I think, but what do you? What do you now? Wimbledon's you know media days tomorrow, right? Like, what do you think it'll it'll be like uh, for the Russians and Belarusians there? In, in terms of the public, I, I don't think there'll be an issue really. I, I think. I mean, I, I, I think it. The, what happened at the French Open has a lot to do with just the, the character of, of the, the French crowds in terms of booing everything to the point where. They were, they ended up doing Ukrainian and Russian players for the same thing, a handshake. I don't think, I think that the Wimbledon crowds are, are too just quiet and, you know, reserved to, for there to be outside of maybe, I don't know, one or two people in the crowd, I don't know, shouting something. I, I don't think there'll be much in, in terms of that. I think that the one curveball is going to be in, in press and, and with actually, the news journalists, um, as they call themselves. Tabloid, yeah, we would say here, yeah. Yeah, tabloid. Um, um, journalists who at the, in the press conferences, um, because, I mean, obviously, that at this point, Ukrainian and, and Russian, Russian, well, Russian and Belarusian players have, um, competed around the tour all year and, and they've been fought moments, as, as we saw in, in, in Paris with, with Sabalenka. But at the same time, a lot of these questions have been asked. But I think the the news journalists at, at, um, at Wimbledon are, are going to be a, a new dimension and a, a a different. Yeah, I think it's going to be tense. To be honest, I think it's going to be difficult. I think we, we saw it last year right, with, with Rebekina, who does not yes. represent Russia, but throughout the tournament, particularly towards the, at the end, <laughs> she was having you know just having been required to to denounce Putin and, and things like that and. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to be in for some awkward, awkward moments in, in press conferences. And, yeah. yeah, like like you said about the, the the news journalists, as you call them, the tabloid reporters, we would call them. They like it, Wimbledon. It's such a unique flavor of Wimbledon because Wimbledon there is like purely there to start shit, right? Like they are just going there, looking to in a way that just I think some people cynically think that journalists always are. But it's so it's so pointed, yeah. and so specific, and so overt at Wimbledon with these people, and just looking for for clicks and headlines. And yeah, this this Russia tension, the, especially with this recent, you know, uh, insurrection, you know, rebellion, coup attempt, whatever you want to call it, with with uh, Prigozhin and the Wagner Group in uh, in Russia. Like is that, I imagine that that seems like it's calmed down for now. But like that is a story, and you know, Sakina even you know having being kind of the, the outspoken one against a lot of this stuff. Maybe she'll get. Outside attention, even for that, maybe they'll be trying to, you know, bait her into saying more and more things against Russia along the way, and and who knows? I mean, it could just be exhausting for all involved in a lot of ways, uh, men and women too. We're talking about the women too, but there's lots of Russian men uh, who are going to be subject to this as well. Uh, Rublev and, and Medvedev specifically of the of the top men's players. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot. I'm I'm somewhat dreading it in some ways, but at the same time, like the war's still going on, and it's still unresolved. Like I think it's kind of inevitable. Um, and, you know, this is what Wimbledon avoided last year by not having the Russians there. 
you know, if you want to say they did the right thing, which I don't necessarily take that side, but it had its advantages in terms of making it not a story during the tournament, minus this, their Bakina, uh Russian in disguise thing that happened late in the draw. Um, I mentioned in this, going to this next section of the draw, the Pugula section, Lumila Samsonova, I think this is a very open section to draw for her in a lot of ways. Um, if she's in any kind of form, uh, she's a former Berlin champion, and no one in the section is really playing super well right now in this eighth of the draw, the Pagula section. You know, Pagula has been so reliable living up to her seed at, at tournaments, big tournaments lately, but uh, Wimbledon has it, it's not been her best. Tournament grass has not been her best. Although her game doesn't seem like it would be so bad on it. She plays, you know, flat and could work on grass, but just hasn't so far, really. And yeah. there's the land of opportunity this section. I also will mention Zhang Qingwen, uh, who's seated uh, 24th here in the Samsung of a section. It's a tough first running at Sidney Akava, who's playing well, who's in the final at Bad Homburg uh, this week, so that could be tough. But Zhang Qingwen just started working with Wim Facet, who is uh, Facet's first player he's working with since splitting with Naomi Osaka a little uh, less than a year ago while Osaka was out. Um, so that's a big load of confidence in her because Facet's had incredible results with a lot of different players uh, in the past decade. Or so. So yeah, what what do you make of this of this Pagula Samsonova section? My pick is sort of Samsonova, even though I have not seen much of her lately, but just on paper, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. On, on paper and on grounds, yeah, for sure. I, I, I actually I, I spoke with Pagula in, in, in Eastbourne about like about grass and it's very clear that she's still quite hesitant, but like I agree her, her game should should work well on it. The flat but the flat hitting the early ball striking, you know, the, the way just the way she plays, but there's hesitance on it. I think it, she said it also stemmed from five years ago when she got injured on grass, and that's still in the back of her mind, you know, even now. Yeah. And and it, it does also feel like she's kind of, you know, she's still consistent, but not, you know, it's not. She's not playing quite as well as she was earlier in the year. So yeah, I, I think that's a good good shout. Um, Sam Sam Sonova, Zhang is still. Well, grass is tough. I, I think she's still, you know, learning, learning the surface, and um, I, I don't think the impact of Wimfrisa, if, if it, if there is no, an it's impact, so recent. will be it's so recent, immediate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so recent. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. With that. I, I think Pagula will certainly never get a few rounds. She has a good draw to do that. Really, um, she does. there's no one really dangerous. Um, and, and you know, obviously, the seed in that section is Maya Sherif. So I, I don't think she, she should. I think she should make the fourth round, and yeah, I, I see a, a fourth round between Samsonova and, and Pagula here. What I was saying in the in the last episode about how we're talking about the Wojciechowski comeback, and I said what would encourage her is that the sort of four through twenty five players are not the most daunting right now. This section is kind of what I mean by that. This is not this is the one quarter that doesn't have one of the the top three in it, and it just feels really really open. Even going down to this next section. Uh, where Caroline Garcia is the number five seed, opens against the aforementioned Katie Volinets. Uh, then can get Leila Fernandez or, or Bindel. Bojkova made uh, quarterfinals last year. Semis? Quarters. Quarters. Quarterfinals quarters, against, against yeah. Shabur. Vekic has done okay on grass as well. Sloan made a quarterfinal earlier in her career on, on grass in 2013. Yeah, I just think there's this is this is all a very open section, largely. Um, not a lot of not a lot of uh, real sort of heavyweights for me here. Uh, so to speak, yeah. I don't. I don't know what to what to make of this purely for, you know, almost Pagula or Samsonovich is my pick, just because I don't know who's in form here. Yeah. yeah what do you, What do you think of this? I I just yeah. Look at this, and I I my my eye doesn't really catch anywhere 
in this in this show, which is very unusual. I got to say, this is like a, it seems like an especially uh, yeah, strange yeah. thing. I mean, you would think Cassie has a great chance, but obviously she hasn't been in terrible form us the last couple of weeks in, in Berlin, and she, she was fine against. I saw her match against Kvitova. Um, who beat her, I think in this, I want to say in the semi-finals or, or quarters. And given how quite soft this is, I think she has a good shot there. Vekic has been playing well, obviously made the, yeah. again, Mastukovitova made the final of Berlin. So I think she has a good shot here. I also could, it's not the strongest, but there are players, I do think, you know, Vekic is playing well, Kudamatova has been playing decently, but they're all quite, quite on equal level, I think. Vekic might honestly be my pick. I mean, Vekic, to make the yeah. semis even like i mean she's she's in the mix because she's you know for she made a quarter of australia this year she's played pretty decent at the slam she's working with pam shriver who's a really good grass core player and will have insights into into the grass um as well yeah in the, in this kind of open section of vekic vekic and samsonova and then pagula maybe in that order are kind of my kind of my picks and so that's I'm just peeking down the next quarter. The next quarter, the next eighth, even is so much more loaded than this. Like, so this is clearly yeah. it's not just like I'm down on everybody. It just happens to be a bunch of players who I think are not really peaking, even uh, who are in this in this uh, Pagula quarter. So just a weirdly soft, soft quarter uh, there. Let's go on to the this next section. Oh, sorry. Before we do that, uh, I want to talk. Pause on Annette Contivate, who's in this quarter. Who we didn't mention. Uh, Annette Contivate announced before the tournament that she is uh, playing her last tournament at Wimbledon. As mentioned before, she was ranked number two as recently as less than a year ago. She was the number two seed at the U.S. Open last year, uh, where she played Serena in the second round. It was Serena's last ever win. It turned out but it was a pretty good match, second round match, Serena and Contivate. It's it's rough just seeing someone who's, who's only 27, who was so good, so recently had a really, really good 2021, um, even if all of 2022 was kind of a struggle. I mean, she did kind of hang on her ranking for a very long time. Because of how late in 2021 she peaked, going on that big run to get into the uh, year in championships. What do you make? What do you make of this of this news of Contivate retiring to money and and just sort of, yeah, it's a it's a bummer. And again, just sort of another one of those sort of just bummers right now in terms of the women's game. Depressingly, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's particularly brutal considering how recent, as you said, you know, she, she was ranked number two. She was playing the best tennis of her career, and it, she she'd obviously found something that she didn't have in her career and and so soon after that it's over it's very tough it's always tough when um players careers are taken from them in that way and, and obviously we've seen recently where i don't know players have struggled with injuries and, and eventually stopped i mean you, you think of not you know not a capacity but just like rafa and, and where he is now you know trying to going through injury issues and also trying to manage his body till the end of his career but this is this is different where it's like an injury stops, you know, it, it takes the player out completely, and, and there's no there's no hope of even you know coming back for you know playing again for a year. So it's just it's brutal. That's just tough when it happens, and, and that's the worst, one of the worst things I think that can happen to an athlete. And and it's, it just was very quick as well because it, it was really in January. She said it, it started in in October last year, where it was really became a big issue and within a few months it's the end yeah it's both quick and kind of gradual at the same time like i mean it wasn't like she had a catastrophic you know knee blowout kind of thing like we some see some cb career ending for players like it was uh this degenerative back condition she has and yeah it's just it's brutal because has to leave her just naturally with so many 
what ifs. It's like, cause she was just climbing, climbing, climbing at a certain point. And then, and she had some other issues in 2022 as well. She had COVID for quite a while, was having a tough time with it. Um, and, and yeah, just, uh, just, just, just brutal. And just a bummer. Cause she was someone who was just really well liked and people who covered her in this time and people, you know, she wasn't someone who ever who had a big run at a, a grand slam. She never made a slam semifinal in her career, but just getting to number two through just being a week in week out pro she's a lot of admiration from her peers and just very friendly and well liked by a lot of them. So some kind words and outpouring for her, her retiring there. So yeah, just, just a bummer of, of a story, honestly. Um, one of her good friends is, is on Jabur, who's this is move on to the bottom half of the draw here. Jabur is the top line of the bottom half of the draw. Uh, Jabur made last year's final was up a set in that final before losing it to her back in a, she could face her back in a, in a quarterfinal, skipping way ahead. But Jabur's shorter run, I think, is mostly pretty good. She only gets Madalena Freck and then Bonaventure or Bai, uh, not as in skip, but as in a Bai Zhuo Zhuan, who is a Chinese qualifier. And then uh, Andrescu is in here potentially in the third round or uh, Kalinina, uh, the Ukrainian player. I think this is pretty good for Jabur. I would love to see her play Andrescu. Andrescu has not been at her best Wimbledon really ever. But uh, I'm hopeful that Jabur, who has had a kind of stop-starty kind of year, French Open, actually, she was pretty good. Uh, French Open, she she held up physically well until uh, her, her you know, quarterfinal loss to Hadad Maya. They just got fatigued. But in terms of the injury concerns, she seemed okay there. Yeah, as much as everyone on the, in the previous quarter was, was wide open, once you get past this sort of first week for Jabur, it gets really crowded, potentially. Uh, Kvitova in the fourth round. Pliskova potentially also in that fourth round. I'll even throw in Sasnovich, who's played really well in grass at points in her career and has some wins over players, including Kvitova, who she could play second round here at Wimbledon. And then Rabakina, obviously, in the quarterfinals, or Ostapenko even. Yeah, it's a tough section for Jabur, but I would, I, you know, there was so much goodwill around her last year at Wimbledon and just hoping that she'd get that, she was just one step away from winning that title. It would have been, would have been a very, very popular champion if she had. Yeah, what do you think she can do this year with a sort of uh, second attempt? It's been a tough, tough year for her in, in terms of in terms of the injuries and in terms of not being able to stay healthy. And she, I think she she did a good job at the French Open, reaching the quarters. But then that was a, a, a tough loss. You know, she she really couldn't probably should have beaten and had admire to, to reach yeah. the semis. Grass is obviously another service that it's funny. You know, I think she considers clay a, a service, but grass pursues her game in different ways. That you know allows her to. It just attack and force striking vulnerability, and she plays some incredible tennis. That one wouldn't you even I don't know. I always think of her match against Muguruza yeah. two years ago. I think it was yeah. where she was just you know I think she lost this first set and then was just thrown in like the, the serving was incredible. Grass is her favorite. I think grass, grass just loves her. I think to be peak whimsy, like the drop shots are just great on grass and stuff like that. Like I think she really loves. Yeah, her. yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It, it, it's a tough, tough section. The tough section. I, I don't think she's a favorite. To advance, but yeah, as you said, uh, this is this is herself. And I think she has a shot, but she has to play at a very high level and a level she hasn't really played at since, well, really this year. I mean, she played one to win yeah. Charleston, um, but it's you know, and and it would have I think given kind of the quality of of position, it, it will have to be higher than what probably what, what she produced here last year when she had. Let's say a manageable draw to, to reach this, the final. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's just, I mean, it's clear, as you said, this is clearly just the, the most, the toughest and most brutal session, even ignoring the, the, the number three seed. 
that's become. Yeah, so if Shabur's not the favorite, who is then? Kovetova, I think. Interesting, yeah. Kovetova couldn't have had a better build-up um, in terms of winning winning violin, playing really quality tennis and just looking in control. Obviously, she's been she's back in the top ten after the Miami title, so she's she's had a big run in one over two weeks. For me, that you know, I think Kvitova was playing really well. It's, her play season wasn't great, but she she had some physical issues. Aside from that, though, she's playing quality tennis. I think the big question for me is just is just replicating that at a slam. She's won Wimbledon twice, yet the rest of her um, results, you know, in that period have you know, have often been quite bad. Like, it's not just that you know, we know Kvitova is inconsistent. I, don't know, I find, like, some of her slam results is very weird. She's a player who's, she's won 31 titles, which is so many, but then she hasn't been able to make even just, like, quarters or, or fourth round. Well, that's the thing. Since yeah. since winning her second Wimbledon title, I mean, Wimbledon, I think it's been probably statistically her worst slam since then. I mean, she has yeah. her her rank. I looked. I tweeted like her record after she won Birmingham, or sorry, Berlin rather. Um, I believe I'm you know, guess me this. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's something like her record on grass outside of Wimbledon since that 2014. It's like something like 29 and six. Let's say and at Wimbledon, she's like nine and seven. She's like yeah. it's really, really. She has really. I think at a certain point you have to kind of almost call it choking like something about the stakes she knows what's oh, yeah, her best sure, yeah. she knows that she she puts a lot of pressure on herself there and doesn't play with the same sort of freedom or whatever it's just because the stakes have gotten to her yeah but wimbledon since she last won she hasn't made a quarterfinal she's gone third round second round second round first round fourth round first round and third round um and some just losses in there that were you know she lost to brengel like she she's you know had <laughs> some uh brengel by the way plays a ronnie that's that's a that's a first round of circle um later on in the draw uh, yeah, but since then she's made the quarters at least at every other Grand Slam. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just been a strange trip. But hopefully Petra can get her mind right at Wimbledon and and just yeah, because the draw is not terrible for her. Sasnovich is one of the players who's beaten her at Wimbledon. Uh, she'll play Sasnovich second round. Uh, Pliskova she's played well against before. That could be a fun third round potentially. Uh, Pliskova former finalist just two years ago, uh, but also has not had a great year at all. Uh, Pliskova. Yeah, fun section. Then Jabir Kvitova would be a great match if they if that gets the, if those those two are in form on grass at the same time, that'd be a, a dream. That'd be a great final, honestly, and it could be a fourth round uh, potentially of uh, those two top ten seeds. Mentioned had Maya beating Jabir in in Paris. She's in this section actually too. Could play her in the quarterfinals again. Didn't mention her before, I think. But Maya is in this section that's anchored by Rabakina. Rabakina, big question marks. Because I think she was, I think leaving Paris. Seems a pretty big favorite, really, for Wimbledon. You know, she was the defending champion. She played well there. Shotek did not play well on, on grass. But since then, yeah, it's just been very uh, abortive for Rabakina. What, what do you make of her, of how she's uh, shaping up for this tournament, Tumani? It's been tough. Um, she's obviously just sick in Paris. And then I just, I think that the symptoms of just, you know, she's, well, she, she said she, she stayed in her room for a few days. With a viral infection, an unnamed viral infection. Yeah, it seems like it's just been tough, like for her to shake off the, you know, the the, the consequences of 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 that illness. And yeah, she was still, she came to, uh, Eastbourne and spoke to her there, and she was still before the tournament. She didn't sound very confident. Subsequently, withdrew the next day. Um, she has been practicing every day at the 
at Wimbledon at Orangu. So we'll see. It's, it's not it's not ideal at all. Um, but she has shown that she's 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 shown her consistency and her just her mental fortitude. And yeah, I, I think these these early rounds are going to be key in establishing rhythm, you know, consistency on her level. I, I think they are decently good um, first couple of rounds. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's just not it's not an ideal situation to be defending Islam really. Yeah. Definitely not. So we'll just see. I mean, like Shelby Rogers' first round, if Rockin is a shell of herself, Rogers. It's never been great on grass, if I can remember honestly, Shelby. But like she's made no. slam quarters before. She can, she can. If if Rockin is not playing competent tennis out there, Rogers can beat her. Um, and then Cornet second round even too. I mean, Cornet is such a famous giant killer, picking like pre- precisely those kind of scenarios uh, where a big name is not quite at their best. That's where Cornet pounces. So, yeah, that, that could be tricky for sure. Um, and even some other names in this section. Katie Bolter won Nottingham in the third round. That would be a, you know, she's played well with them in the past. <laughs> Sorry. The pronunciation of Nottingham. Nottingham, yeah. Good stuff. Nottingham. Nottingham. Ham. 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 Nottingham. Katie Bolter won Nottingham and did a great job. Yeah, I like Bolter a lot, actually. It's a player. I think her game is very... Uh, very engaging and fun. Her match against Sabalenka a couple years ago on center court was really great. So let's move on. Just keep going. Uh, this next section, the Sakari section, I feel like is like the stable of dark horses. There are so many different people in this section here. Again, who I think would all be thrilled to be in that Pagula quarter. So many of them could really make some noise. Uh, but Sakari, who's been decently consistent at getting to, into quite a few fourth rounds at least, is the high seed here. Allison Risk, oh, Sakari opens against Marta Kostiuk, which is a tough first round. Kost, another after having played uh, against Karolina Mukova in the first round of a French Open, another tough first round for Sakari here against Kostiuk, who's a dangerous player. And they could get Bedosa or Allison Risk arbitrage in the second round. Risk, famously a great grass court player, really off her peak though this year. I mean, she's outside top hundred, but not someone you really want to face on at Wimbledon for sure with her, her grass court experience and track record. And then Madison keys, who is playing well aforementioned beat Coco golf in this Eastbourne semis. I make the final there. Keys has never had a big Wimbledon result. She's had, she's kind of been almost like late stage Kvitova that we were talking about, but without the previous titles, like she's done really well in Birmingham and in Eastbourne repeatedly. But never, uh, yeah, never, uh, never Wimbledon really at all. I don't think she's made a quarterfinal of yeah. uh, Madison Keys, which is which is pretty stunning. So uh, yeah, what do you make of of this of that even to that section? Uh, then we'll get to that. I first of all, yeah, and then we'll get to the rest of it. Uh, but even just just eight names, what do you what do you think? Tough first one for Sakari uh, in terms it was just just in terms of ranking. I think Kostic ranked thirty fifth, so that's uh, one of the highest ranked players she could have could have drawn. Hasn't been playing great, to be honest. One qu- one quarterfinal Wimbledon for Madison Keys in 2015. She lost Redvanska in 2015 yeah. quarters. Yeah. What, 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 you know, I very intentionally didn't mention that. <laughs> uh, but you asked, so I could give people what they you, want. You can say you have not. You can say you have none or none that you want to walk. I, I felt like. When have have I ever done to keep my mouth shut, though? When has that been my brand? All right. (laughs) I, it, it's, it's too much. I don't, I find it tough to believe. 
it just doesn't seem real to me. It doesn't seem like normal human behavior. I don't get it. I don't trust it. I don't know what's going on. What, you know, rooting for them, I guess, maybe. But it's just, I, I'd be curious to hear her talking about it. I feel like I feel like everything we've seen and read about it has been from him. I don't think she's been on record anywhere about this. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to see how she talks about him. I'm, I'm most curious to see because, it, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. Was it all a Spotify promo? I mean, what were the theories even about this, this relationship early on? I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish them good luck. Anyway, um, I also misspoke in saying that Celine Knife wasn't in this tournament because she is. Uh, she qualified um, after beating Venus Williams and Stratogenbosch and winning another round after that too. She is a young uh, Swiss qualifier. She plays Potopova, another sort of possible dark horse here. I'm saying, and then Mira Andreva, who had that break, has had a great few months, really coming out very quickly, qualified in Roehampton. Uh, she's in the section of the draw as well. Barbara Krejcikova uh, is here as well, playing a bit better lately. Heather Watson, honestly, not an easy out at Wimbledon uh, historically, has had some decent runs. She plays Krejcikova first. That's a uh, a circable first round match. I'm also just going to mention Margarita Betova is the player formerly known as Margarita Gasparian, uh, who's here. She married the doubles uh, Belarusian guy, uh, Sergei Betov, and now, Be- now she's Betova. She had a kid, so she's back. It's another name change to flag in the spirit of uh, Ronchakova. So uh, congratulations to her. I always liked watching her rare one-handed backhand in women's tennis. Gasparian, uh, now Betova. Uh, yeah, so this little section also kind of opened Potopova won Junior Wimbledon. Uh, so I haven't seen her on grass this year, or actually even maybe ever as a pro that I can think of, but she also can get through. This is just a sort of like really level kind of section. Like all these players basically can get through. I don't think any of them have a great shot of making it to the semis from this eighth, but a lot of different players can make it to the to the quarter out of this section, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I think it. Uh, Krejcikova had a horrible clay season. But she, yeah. she looked decent in, um, in Birmingham making the final. Uh, perhaps, yeah, perhaps she'll be able to play Wimbledon, you know, given that she's not a former champion, maybe there'll be a, a bit less pressure on her to, to, well, she'll put a bit less pressure on herself, um, to perform. Um, but, but that's a, I'm, I'm very interested in that second round match with potential second round match with Mira Andreva, who, I mean, she, she has a tough first round in, against, Wang anyway, but I, I'm 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 certainly that much as as a very good I don't know, a very interesting match. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's it's open. Um, Keys has been great in 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 East Wim, but as you said, she hasn't been able to bring that to Wimbledon consistently. That that form on grass. So I'd like to. I'd, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say that I see Krejcikova finally. Playing up to the standard. That'd be great. That It'd be great to have her back in the mix. Yeah. And a lot of players, I mean, like, I'd be happy for almost anyone who makes it out of the section, really. I mean, like, there's a lot of players with potential. And, you know, if, if Andreva goes on a run, like, that'd be a, you know, as a teen sensation again. Wimbledon loves those. So we'll see how it how it goes. Um, this last quarter, this is Sabalenka, uh, sorry, last eighth, Sabalenka eighth. Sabalenka opens against Pana Udvardi. They could get uh, the newly French Varvara Gracheva or Camilla Georgi second round. That's not easy for if it actually either. I haven't seen Gracheva on grass, but what I know about her, she's a short player, very compact swings. Like grass could be okay for her. I haven't seen her a bunch on hard court, so I'm imagining it could translate. 
And then even like a big server, Rebecca Marino, third round. Uh, Yanina Wickmeyer. Wickmeyer's in this draw as a qualifier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then also, um, uh, and obviously the big name I'm going to skip ahead to in the fourth round, potentially for Sabalenka, is recent French Open runner-up Carolina Mukova, who is one of the tougher first rounds against uh, Yula Niemeyer, who made quarters uh, at Wimbledon last year. Uh, no points to show for it. What do you, you look? You have some mischievous to say. You look very excited to say something. I'm, I'm just happy that we, we've spoken about Pam Schleibler, Caroline Wozniacki, and Yanina Wickmeyer. Long, long live that that US Open 2009. 2009 semifinal. That's a long time ago. Strong. Oh God, yeah, that was a long time ago. Speaking of a long time ago, Brengel Irani is a is a is a great like that's that's just like. Uh, fan service <laughs> that match just like for a certain kind of person who wants to see that see oh, these gross. the two slowest serves to women's tennis on a grass court you got it and that could be that could be a lot of fun brangles had some decent results on grass in her career I mentioned she beat kvitova uh, ronnie not really any results to speak of on grass so i picked brangle in that one a bit nice seeing ronnie back in the top 100 getting you know direct entry into a slam again because she's been well outside that for a while, so it's a meaningful step for her to get direct into a slam against Sarah Ronnie. Sabalenka was very close to making the French Open final. Potentially, you could even say close to being working on a calendar slam. You want to be real optimistic because she had played well against Svantec in the past. How much hangover do you think there, there could be for, for Sabalenka for how she imploded in that French Open semi and make it a positive? Great chance for her to sort of maybe get some revenge and exercise some demons against Mukova potentially in the fourth round. Uh, I think that's actually pretty good for her to get to another shot at Mukova pretty quickly. That could be just yeah, what she yeah. wants. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and something to target. She she lost in the second round in, in Berlin. Um, I, I think it was a good idea for her to probably just, just spend the, the past week just practicing um, at Orangi and at Wimbledon instead of trying to take a wild card into somewhere and get more, more matches. Um, given the amount she's played, the mental hangover that, as you said, she that was probably came out of the um, the French Open in terms of you know that that brutal match that she that just looked so much like the old Sabalenka. But yeah. I don't know. I, we, we've seen that just how, how mentally strong she's been this year and how well she has just shaken off problems and issues and setbacks and and just so I, I expect as she set the bar high now. And I, I expect to see her come back and play extremely well. It's going to be a different pressure here, given the attention and, and I mean, as we said, possible interactions in, in press and yeah, um, Russia Belarus um, invasion of Ukraine issue is is not going away. Absolutely not. But I think she's shown that she's mentally strong. I hope that she has a better plan for how to handle that at Wimbledon this yeah, year at the French yeah, Open yeah. because she was. We talked about this on the on the French Open post show, but like. She was not, did not do herself any favors with how she how she approached that and how she handled yeah. that whole thing and um, yeah. and it's something you can game plan for. You can come out, you can come out. It doesn't have to be perfect, but like she's just so spontaneous in in general and just very impulsive. Uh, but I think really going with something that would be, you know, even if it's just sort of like a fixed line, you just pair it. And it's like sorry guys, not get engaged just repeatedly. Like yeah. have a plan to stick to it. Um, but she's yeah, she needs that kind of composure that she's learned on court uh, to have someone in the press room because that could really be a selling block for her. Honestly, in this tournament, it is relevant yeah. to her her contending, yeah. which is kind of silly. I'm also just ex- excited to see how how Mukova does, yes. given that she hasn't she hasn't played um, one more match on grass. She, she chose to just take take time off after 
don't take us two weeks of a career. I mean, this is her best surface, too. I mean, grass is her, grass is her thing. Absolutely, yeah. That's her thing. It matches her game and her, her local game extremely well. Her variety. Is, I think she was quite surprised that she, that her big result had come and play, even though she's, she's had good results in play in the past. But this is, you know, these fast surfaces is, a faster surface is what suits her attacking game. So, yeah, I'm just, just curious to see how she performs given, as we said, <laughs> that there are players who reach a, the slam final or reach a top 10 and then don't really do anything after that. But this is, this is the first test after the biggest result of her career. So let's see if she can back it up. Let's move right into the men. Keep this thing moving. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz is the number one seed and he got back to the number one seed after beating the entire field at Queens Club. Uh, to win that title, his first grass court title. Alcaraz, not a lot of grass wins to his name. I mean, he made the fourth round of Wimbledon last year. It wasn't a bad result at all. He lost to a very sharp Yannick Sinner in that fourth round at Wimbledon. So by no means a, a grass incompetent before this. But uh, that's a nice nice cherry and great boost of confidence for him. Similar to Svantec, honestly, in some ways, just in terms of amping up your stock, uh, especially after a pretty uh, dispiriting exit at the French Open. Uh, with how he how he burnt out in that match against Djokovic, and that was just hard to watch those last two sets. It was a real, real anticlimax for his run there and for that match. Akaraz, yeah, stock is rising. Similar ways to Shiontek, a lot of copy pays from Shiontek, honestly. Um, their their twenty twenty twos were more similar than I think we give him credit for in a lot of ways. But yeah, I, I think his draw here he opens against Jeremy Chardy, who's back. Uh, he's been back for a little bit actually, and then and another Frenchman in the second round, either Rinderknecht or Alexandra Muller. Potentially Nicholas Jari in the third round, or Ugo Umber, who's uh, played well in grass before, was a former Holla champion, or actually Jason Kubler did well Wimbledon last year too. I think he made fourth round at Wimbledon last year. So not the complete easiest draw, but a pretty likable first two rounds, I think for sure for for Alcaraz. And yeah, what's his uh, what's his upside here too? I'll just skip ahead a little bit to his his fourth round could be against uh, Demonar or Zverev, uh, both of whom I think he's would be comfortable against on grass at this point. Or Berrettini is the, maybe the real wild card in here who's been not playing well, but has been great on grass, really, really good on grass uh, in the past. Yeah. Uh, so so what do you make of, of this? Uh, I think first week, I think Alcaraz should absolutely cruise. And then maybe a tricky fourth round if something goes right for whoever makes it there. Um, but overall, yeah, I think, I think he's... I mean, big picture, I think he's ready to live to his city again and make it to a, a final, potentially. Like, I think he should be the favorite in every match he plays in this first, his first in the top half. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's, uh, at, at this point, considerably a better player than anyone near him in, in the draw. And I, I was really impressed with, with him at Queens. He may not have beaten the level, caliber, ranking, whatever opponent, other opponents that um, Rublik beat in Haller in the same week. I was I was particularly impressed by the fact that he started he started the the week in Queens not sure about his his ability on grass. He played Rinduck next in the first round and um, barely escaped that seven six in the third set. And and he was saying yeah. that his his main goal in at Queens was just to have have match practice, have experience. His his for once his his expectations were pretty low and he wasn't, you know, there to win the title and then suddenly as the rounds kept on going, he suddenly he, it was just funny to see him realise like, oh shit, I'm I'm actually this is some good stuff and I feel really comfortable in this office. Yeah. And 
and he played he played really well um, at times. It, I mean, in some of the matches, um, it, w- it wasn't it actually wasn't great in the final against um, Deminar, but he found a way through. And you can just see, like, obviously, his, his, he has so much variety in this game. He's obviously his, his his goal on the court is to, to attack and to control and to, to dominate with that explosive forehand. And he loves coming forward to the net. The drop shots are obviously very. People saying obviously because it is obvious that they suit the surface. There are clearly many things in his game that work really well on grass. And and the fun thing is just going to be watching him figure figure that out and 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 learn how to. Become a better and better Glasgow player. I think the one thing that is against him right now, which is the one aspect of his game that will need to improve for him to be a consistent, like top Glasgow player, is just his serve. Mm. It looked very good at times actually in, at Queens, but obviously the, the better the better server you are, the better Glasgow player you are. We've seen that with Jock Rich and how his, he has improved his serve yeah. and that's become like a central part of his game on grass. But yeah, looking at the draw, the good players in this section should challenge him to play at a certain level. But yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm I'm, I'm fairly confident in in his ability to to advance. Um, curious to see what someone, as you said, Berrettini is. As you know, the past few years we talked so much about how a lot of the younger players haven't performed well on grass, and and he's often been really one of the outliers in terms of how quickly it took for him to embrace grass yeah. tennis and, and how his game just suited it and you know, it, uh, until until well until until this year until he, he got COVID just before Wimbledon his his record on grass was insane he'd won, you know I, I can't remember but he'd, he'd won something crazy like 20 of his last 22 matches or, or something like that winning titles Wimbledon final and yeah it's, it's been a tough period for him though yeah, maybe even better than that. I mean, because he won in 2021, he won Queens, right? And then he made it to the final, or is that right? And then he made it to the final Wimbledon. Semis. Oh, the final Wimbledon, yeah. Final it was the semis Wimbledon, of and they lost Kala, I think, between them. Okay, maybe semis of whatever it was. A good run. And then the next year he won Stuttgart, and then he won Queens, and then he got COVID. And, like, it was, it was yeah. an enormous blow to the tournament, honestly, to lose him that way. Um uh, right before so late his late late COVID test it was, that was awful um, and he hasn't really been competitive on tour since then he's had some injury issues and stuff for sure he had a tough draw at Australian Open this year he lost to Andy Murray in an epic fifth setter five setter uh, in the first round of, of Australia uh, yeah it's just been tough for him he's been you know off tour for quite a bit uh, he went to the Met Gala and stuff this year it's just kind of it's kind of he's has been tough to track so this would be I don't know if he's ready for this tournament. He had a really brutal loss uh, in the uh, in this in Stuttgart this year. He just didn't look ready. And was that the Senego too? I'm trying to remember who he played in that match. Yeah, yeah. Senego. Yeah. He, yeah. So he gets Senego right again in this first round here. Lost one and two or something, yeah. and left the court crying, which isn't great. Not great. So we'll see how he is. Hopefully he's in better spot or hopefully he's trending up. Um, you know, he's had some his own sort of mental ups and downs on the tour as well. He's had a lot go at him. I mean, he's somebody who's had this, you know, in a kind of honestly unprecedented, a large unprecedented way for an ATP player. He's had kind of this like starlit kind of experience there. Right? He's doing all this modeling and stuff and it's like relationships are getting a lot of scrutiny and like it's it's been he's kind of a almost a Kornikova figure. Uh, in terms of that in some way and it's just it's a different it's it's that's tough that's really that can be really tough 
in its, its own ways. It's, you know, him be like, oh, it's like so hard being, you know, a handsome model and being on billboards everywhere and doing boss campaigns and whatever else. But when you are want when you're still so ambitious about tennis and having want to have that tunnel vision, yeah, it's, it's a lot of distractions going on for him. Whether he's done a good or bad job managing them over the time, I mean, you know, time will tell. But it's been it's been a a lot for Matteo Berrettini. Yeah, I, I do think with him, um, the the main issue people talk about that a lot, but the, his main issue has been his body and the fact that he simply cannot stay healthy. At, at least in, in my head, that's been an issue for a while. In, in terms of him just being quite injury prone, but that injury proneness has kind of gone into overdrive recently. Um, but I was, I was actually going to say on that, I don't know if we, we've discussed this before, but that the, the boss campaign he's in is that might be the most like global campaign a tennis player has had in a long time. Like he's in every airport. I went up to yeah. like whatever to, to, to Liverpool the other day, and there's a, a, a massive billboard of him like on a big build, massive building, and I'm like. I was wondering like, how many people have any idea who, who this guy is, but he's he's quite he's everywhere, and in a way that I haven't seen from a player. Exactly, he's certainly like he's everywhere. It's almost like it's almost more than anybody. When I I tweeted this last year when I was in Europe and seeing him like in airports again and like all the time, and I was like, I don't remember last time a tennis player was like this visible in completely non-tennis context. There's no like hint in these photos that he's a tennis player. He's just like one of many models in these spreads for boss. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know actually if there's any other like athletes or whatever in there. I don't recognize anyone else in these campaigns. It's possible. There are some other athletes. I think there might be a couple other athletes in this, in this group, maybe oh, I don't nice. know, some soccer players or something. People, people said like, Oh, but Rafa had his Tommy Hill figure thing was one was mentioned. But like, for me, the Bertini is the most ubiquitous. And yeah, like, I'm not saying that, right. You're right. The, the injuries are an issue, but I also am a believer that injuries, can be caused by tension, can be caused by, you know, other things. Yeah. Like I, I think you have to put, take it all in totality on some level. It's just, it's just unique. It's, he's had a fascinating, fascinating few years as a public figure, as a player and someone who was really not heralded at all um, as a junior who really came up very late, suddenly be cast as this, you know, yeah, this like post literal poster boy. Um, it's just sort of a fascinating scenario. And I hope that he can re- you know, get back to himself because he's a a great asset for the game as a player and as a is a very very nice guy and just yeah people are uh, I think rooting the sport could really use him being back online because it's him being unseated just doesn't look right in this draw. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but not sure what it's going to do here. Demonar uh, I mentioned there. You know, not a good matchup against Alcaraz, but otherwise tough because he's playing well and very natural grass court guy. Um, he can make a lot of moves in a lot of different sections, but. This is a tough draw for him, I think, having uh yeah, having, very having Didn't mention uh Zverev also the number nineteenth seed here. Um Zverev managed to salvage his ranking by making the French Open semis. He could have been unseated here had he lost early in Paris. But he, he hung on to those semifinal points with a pretty favorable draw in, in Paris. Not been great at Wimbledon in his career. He's one of those players, like you sort of alluded to, we're talking about Berrettini being good. He's one of this generation who has not figured it out meaningfully at, at Wimbledon. Him, Tsitsipas, Rublev, Medvedev, I believe they combined for zero quarterfinals even at uh, mm-hmm. at, at Wimbledon, which is crazy. Moving to the next section, Francis Tiafo has not yet made a Wimbledon quarterfinal, I believe, but he's made some okay, made a fourth round last year, beat, I believe, fourth round. He beat Bublik in a crazy match. That was great. Yeah. I watched all of yeah, that. Yeah, lost the court. Crazy match as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and he just made it to the top 10 for the first time. First uh, top 10 debut for Francis after winning Stuttgart the 250 there. He is a super, super popular player again, you know, in a very different way than Berrettini in a lot of ways, but he's, I've seen him in some ad campaigns around Wimbledon already. Um, he made the U.S. Open semis. He's kind of coming into his own as a star, which is fun to see. He's got so much potential and charisma and all this great stuff. Uh, his draw is okay. It was against Wu Yibing, who I've not seen on grass ever, but who's started the year hot and it's kind of cooled off a bit. Uh, then he get Dominic Stricker, who qualified, uh, or Alexei Popperin, and then Dimitrov, potentially. Thurman. I feel like I picked Dimitrov to do well at a lot of different slam podcasts. I'm not falling that trap again. He just he just disappoints me, lets me down, because I, I just want good things for him, and he doesn't get them for himself. So I'm not going to be burned again there. But I think I think Tiafo is in a pretty clear path, and then probably to face Holgaruna in the uh, fourth round. I think that both their paths are pretty clear to this match. Davidovich Vakina is the other seed in the, in the Runa section at 31. Uh, the Davidovich Vakina stared down and he got hit by uh, Pavel Kotov <laughs> in, uh, in Mallorca, which is also weird that Kotov pulled out of Wimbledon, but kept playing Mallorca. I don't know what that was about, but uh, that's a Russia thing. I don't know, but that was fun. I, I love a good peg and stare down. Just, just good, clean, clean fun there yeah what do you think can tiafo let's go big picture can tiafo beat alcaraz he's in the mix he's got to be someone who you circle if you're alcaraz it's like who are my challenges in the straw tiafo's got to be one of them right yeah i, I mean i certainly think he's I, i'd actually pick alcaraz over rune i, I think i think rune might make good progress on grass um at queens as well he'd, he'd come into he'd come into the tournament having never won a match on grass court I made the semifinals at Queens. Um, but TFO is just playing with, with I think, a lot of confidence on the surface, as he did in Stuttgart. And he, as you said, he made the fourth round last year and had chances to reach the quarters. He's a much, he's a clearly a better player than he was a year ago. So I think this is, a, I mean, this is a clear shot for him to reach a quarterfinal. And yeah, I, I mean, if he, he pushed, if he pushed Alcaraz to five sets at the US Open last year, um, he, kept, he should be. He should go into that match believing that he can win on grass, which is probably his. his I'd, I'd actually say it's probably his favorite surface. Um, in terms of helping, you know, the flair and the un- unpredictable and side of his game and coming to the net and drop shots. Um, so I, I'd, I'd, that would be a very, very fun match on this surface as well. I think so. Yes, I, I think he has a shot. I, I'd, I'd still think Alcaraz would win it. But I think he has a shot, and he should he should go into if he does end up against Alcaraz, he should go into that match fully believing that he can win. Been good that he's after the U.S. Open semi-final that there's been continuous progress. It's not been every every week. He's not you know he's not making semis and finals every week, but there's been clear progress since then, which is good to see. Which is just not what he was doing at all early in his career. I mean, this sort of week in week out reliability, and to kind of piece together top ten ranking with largely with small pieces, not like he'd won a slam or made a slam final even, or won a masters. Like this was not lightning in a bottle. This was fairly sustained current over the time, which is the more impressive way to get it considering what his early, early career was like when it was so hot and cold. So, so really impressive for Francis and just he's matured so much as a player in a lot of ways. And yeah, I just, I'm curious to see him get to that. And he is too. He's, he wants to win a slam. Like, that's how he's thinking and talking. Like, he made that USM mm-hmm. semi five sets against Alcaraz. Like, he 
thinks he can do it and that's where his goals are and i just like see that kind of the way he talks about his ambition i, th- I find really uh appealing uh there i want to mention this is this is momentarily bitchy sorry i saw some reaction from british people during the draw like oh what a rough draw for george lofhagen and arthur ferry they play against runa and, and medvedev what would a good draw for them be these guys are ranked in the 300s and like there i saw something like oh lofhagen's been playing so well lately has he he made he like has not beaten a top 100 player what, what do we what do we expect anyway the, the British pluckiness is, is off the charts early in the draw show, uh, draw ceremony, reactions anyway. Uh, but wishing them luck, uh, both of them. This quarter, you know, Medvedev is the next part of the draw. Uh, Medvedev back uh, after being banned last year when he was number one. He's back at number three. As aforementioned, he has not made it. Yes, go ahead. You have thoughts? It's funny to think that um, back then, Medvedev was the face of, you know, the Russia-Belarus contingent, and now that shifted to that Sabalenka. If I'm Russia, I want it shifting back in terms of PR. I trust Medvedev to keep his to keep his head more than Sabalenka there. Medvedev has been an interesting, actually, on the pure diplomat level, Medvedev has been interesting because he hasn't really said anything along the lines of what Kasakina has said. Yeah. He has said, he's managed to really say, like, if you dial down, like, really nothing. He's been incredibly noncommittal. Yeah. In a talented way. Like, he should talk to Sabalenka. Yeah, impressively, yeah. And be it's like, because he certainly has not denounced anything. Like, that denounced Russia meaningfully. But, like, he's, but also, like, he hasn't gotten pegged with, like, the same sort of, like, you know, he, he's, he, he's hit so far, which is interesting to see if he gets a lot of pressure from the British media. Like, he's so far managed to thread a needle pretty comfortably of everybody. Or he hasn't had too many tough moments. So, yeah, anyway. He was against Arthur Ferry, who is ranked 389. Uh, and then he could get uh, Manorino or Shevchenko. Manorino beat him in Sertogenbosch. Uh, Manorino, a good grass court player. Uh, that, could, that could be tricky for him. Uh, Talon Greekspor also just won Sertogenbosch. Not a good draw for Medvedev once he gets past Arthur Ferry. And then could get uh, easier potentially fourth round uh, against Tommy Powell or uh, Francisco Sarundolo. He's actually played pretty well on grass Sarundolo uh, this past week. And Time Paul opens against Shintaro Mochizuki. I covered um, juniors for the IDF in 2019, and that was the year that Mochizuki won junior Wimbledon, and I thought he was a cool player. So I've always I've followed him since, and I, I actually spoke to him Wimbledon qualities, which was cool after he qualified. Yeah, he, now, now he's in the, in the big leagues, which is good to see. Good talker, right? His English is really good. Yeah, he's one a good of the best player. English on any Japanese player. Yeah, yeah. Nice little, he has a slight American accent. Um, and yeah, he's just quite. He's quite sincere, I'd say. That's that's what yeah. I liked about the way he talks. Um, no, I talked I talked to him for my Naomi book, and he was he was really good. Yeah, I'm excited to read that. And yeah, he, and yeah, he's it's funny because just talking about him, he's the same age as um, Alcaraz and and Runa, and he won Junior Wimbledon the year that Alcaraz. The, the, that's the only Junior that Alcaraz ever played. I think Alcaraz reaches quarterfinals, but it just goes to show how the, the transition is tough. And, and for uh, Mochizuki, he's very, very slight. And, you know, just he's been overpowered. It was funny. We, I talked about that, and he was like, "Everyone's so big, and I'm so small." <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, but it's good to see that he's he's finding a way to like impose himself because he's yeah. despite being small, he's a really fun player who comes in there and. 
smart and has a lot of variety. So that's what that'll be a fun match with Tommy Powell. I'll be I'll be watching. Yeah. Um. The other name I want to mention, Paul's on here. Uh, predicted ranking could play Tommy Paul or Mochizuki second round. Milos Ronic, who was back on the tour, um, came back in Sertogenbosch. Uh, hadn't been played in hadn't played in years. Coming back for what he says essentially is a farewell. He wants to play Wimbledon. Uh, he wants to play Canada, which is in Toronto this year. And I would think he might hang around for a U.S. Open if he's if he's healthy. I don't know, but he's definitely said those are the ones he wants to play. Were Wimbledon, and Toronto, uh, to sort of say goodbye, coming back, you know, for what he terms as a farewell tour. He had a pretty good return actually in uh, in Stratokinbash. His first match in years, he beat Kekmanovic in the first round of of that tournament. That was a solid win, uh, having not played in years. And look, his his draw is is actually not terrible. Like with Ronic, former Wimbledon finalist, if he can you know play Ronic tennis and keep it just serve oriented, he can outserve Dennis Novak first round, Tommy Powell second round. I think he can do something. Yeah, Ronic came back and, and he played extremely well in his first match. Um, but then and he he withdrew from playing with a shoulder issue. As you say, it could be um, preventative or. But I mean, obviously, the, the last few years he's just struggled with injury, one injury after another. But I'm, I'm glad he, he's been able to come back and after basically almost disappearing basically from the tour and yeah. have a moment and, and have his final, if, if they are, his, his final tournaments on the tour. It's funny how much of, for, for a while, he was a big, you know, a big deal. He made a woman a final. He was, he was very present on the tour and, you know, part of that group kind of, um, I guess people call them the, the lost gen, obviously, but yeah, but, um, Dimitrov with Nishikori and yeah, it's just, it's funny how that group of players is actually feels in the past now, in a way, that the tour's kind of moved on from them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that these were the guys who were like the, those were really the three who were supposed to challenge the big three, big four at that point, really. And now, because like, Nishikori just came back and played a challenger and won. And now it's almost, but it's still very nice to just come back, but almost after having been himself gone for a long time, it's almost like we're in like bonus time with these guys who are like, ah, oh, you know, it's great if we get one more last look at, at Ron and just come back for one, you know, hurrah. And Nishikori's not quite gone yet either. He's still coming back. Meanwhile, Djokovic is still there, <laughs> you know, ruling the tour. And like the younger generation, it's like it's like playing on borrowed time, even below him. It's kind of it's kind of crazy that way. But yeah, Ronich Ronich was a um, they all have such similar Ronich and Nishikori especially have such similar results. If you look at their track records, I mean, both of them made one Slam final, a couple other semis, never won a Masters event. Like just sort of like this, like but we're both I think number three in the world. These incredibly talented players who just like were in the wrong generation in a lot of ways and. Yeah, but, but also just like kind of constant pros in a lot of ways and injury problems. The two of them are just really, really similar, Ron and Shanisha Corey, despite having completely different builds and games. But the actual results they got track very similarly to each other in so many ways. So anyway, I hope Ronich, I hope Ronich has a has a satisfying farewell. I hope he gets a good crowd in Canada. I would like to see him play the U.S. Open. I mean, if he's healthy and, you know, why not? One of those where I wish the U.S. Open didn't have the stupid reciprocals that could give more discretionaries to someone like a Ronich pretty easily, who would be a great candidate for that. Yeah, that's that's basically that. I want to get to. We haven't really talked about Medvedev. 
um, as a player here in this section, but Medvedev is the high seed. Um, grass has not been his thing. Um, he's been, he actually played pretty well in grass last year. He maxed out his grass schedule awesome, yeah. last year when he couldn't play Wimbledon, just as her a troll, he played as much grass as possible. It seemed like, and he did pretty decently well, made some good runs. It, this section of the draw is actually really open against kind of almost like the women's draw, the second quarter. It's just like, who's here? Not really many, anybody. Because um, Tsitsipas is the five seed here, and look ahead at the quarter. Tsitsipas has been also inept on grass, honestly. Weirdly, I mean, Tsitsipas it seems like on paper he should be good on grass, but it just it doesn't work for him so far. Um, and maybe this maybe this section opens up for someone like a a Manorino or a Greek Spore or hell Ronich is a reach or Corda or Ben Shelton or or Andy Murray. You know, like there's honestly, and, and Nori, I didn't mention Nori, or Chris Eubanks, who just made the um, Mallorca final. He's in here too. That, that, Hitsipas Nori eighth is stronger, I think. But like, what do you, what do you see happening in this quarter of the draw? Um, I, I like Corda's chances. Just looking yeah. at, I think he, he played, he played well in at Queens. He backed himself as well for a lot. He named himself a favorite for Wimbledon before anyone else in the world did. Um, but good I think he's in a good section for him. <laughs> I think he's in a good section. You know that that, that should be a tough match with, with Nori, but he, he beat Nori at Queens. I actually agree. I, I, I don't think Murray can really have any problems with, with his draw. I think he's had. I think Murray's clay season, uh, sorry, grass season has been weird in a way because he he obviously won two challengers back to back. It's just an interesting decision to play the second challenger in um, in Nottingham when there were. You know, when he could have played in Stuttgart, for example. Yeah. And, and of course, after playing two weeks in a row, he was, I think, whether he kind of didn't want to cop to it. But I think he was, you know, tired, obviously tired. He hasn't done that. that played that many matches in a lot of matches, two weeks, yeah. four years. Um, so, so he was, so when it got to playing Queens, the actual ADP event, the event he should be, you know, trying to, you know, be peaking for whatever. Not peaking for, but you know, the, the big event, he just wasn't physically there and was beaten soundly by um, Demino. But yeah, this, I, I don't think he can, re- as he's unseated, I don't think he, he can complain. So Sebastian's, is, um, I mean, his, his grass form is horrendous. He's won three. He played, played all three weeks and won one match. So, and obviously team, um, played one, one match on grass and lost his in straight sets. So, yeah, I don't think he can really complain with that. He beat Slipas last year um, on grass. So, yeah, um, I think that's, this is a job for him. Maybe Slipas can, can do something, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd take quarter in this section. I, I think this is a good job for him, and I think he will not want to kind of waste this opportunity. Okay, I think it's a great I think a lot of the Americans got to be happy with their draws. I think it's a good draw for Ben Shelton, even too. I mean, who's brand new on grass. And this is his first time in, in England, this, this, this trip. It's the first time everywhere. Anywhere, yes. It, it on on everything. Here. But we can't. We have to stop doing that once we get to the back to the U.S. swing. It's been to these U.S. places before. But yeah, but Shelton opened his lucky loser, Tara Daniel. Maxime Cressy's had a really down year. Long, long losing streak he was on. But he was he's a player kind of made for grass. And so that hasn't really added up for him lately. Yeah, I think there's some room for Murray. I agree, has to be very happy. I would, I would pick him against his possibility. I would pick Murray to win that match. 
I would look forward to that. Oh, I forgot about their whole thing at the U.S. Open. They have they have history. Yeah. These two and toilet breaks and 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 rockets to Elon Musk jokes and or Bezos, whatever it was, whatever his jokes were, and, uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of uh, nastiness is there. Not nastiness, like uh, bullying. Let's just call it. But not the you know bullying that everyone was cheering him on for uh, at the time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's a. Did I get your opinion on Cicidosa? Did you answer that? I, I said I, w- I wish them well. Okay, wish them well. Sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> Cam Norrie made semis last year. I think he can also, with the kind of crowd behind him, Wimbledon, he can beat Corda on a good day. Like that's, yeah. it's. A, it, I think Norrie and Corda and Murray and Shelton, yeah, they should be in the in the in the uh, third round altogether. And I, I'm curious how those matches shake out. It could be a good little section there. But yeah, but open open quarter too. Like I think whoever gets out of that uh, this uh, eighth should beat whoever gets out of the other one and make semis. I think it could be quarter in the semis. It could be Nori in the semis again. It could be Mur- Andy Murray in the semis. I mean, Andy Murray hasn't made the second week of a slam in such a long time. Um, so even just second week would be a huge result for him if he gets there, and I think he can. Um, but something like Murray versus Shelton would be a lot of fun if we get that. That'd be a lot, a lot of fun to see that match. Let's go to the bottom half. Keep it moving. Yannick Sinner. I say keep it moving. I've like, been here for so long. Yannick Sinner played really well at Wimbledon last year. He was up two sets to none on Novak Djokovic, eventual champion, before losing. He opens against the other Serondolo uh, in the first round. Uh, while Manuel making a return. Nice to see him back. I think his draw is good. He gets that. And then Kekmanovic or Schwartzman. Evans is his seed. Fritz is here. Uh, Fritz made quarters Wimbledon last year. It's his only slam quarter to his name, Fritz. Peaked yep. at five, and he's made one quarter and only one additional fourth round, too. So he's got some – it's a discrepancy there. It's almost cultivated. Let's mention her in some ways. Well, that's a useful comparison, but I just made it anyway. Yeah, I think Sinner is a big draw winner. Looking ahead from this this section, you're looking skeptical, but I'm going to finish my thought. Sinner then is in the in the quarter with Kasparud is where you want to be because Kasparud has shown no pretense of trying to prepare for grass at all. He's off water skiing or whatever, golfing and going to weekend concerts and having a great time. But it's a new play much grass court tennis, which I respect the choice. Yeah, I, I think I think Sinner for me is a clear favorite in every match he plays uh, into the semifinals. He's never made a slam semifinal before, but he's for me clear favorite. I agree. I, I think clearly he's a, he's a draw winner and he has a, an opportunity to go deep. And obviously he he did well at Wimbledon last year, making four final. Wimbledon Djokovic. Um, the, I mean the the obvious issue is that his I mean that his performance at the French Open was pretty dire, really. Losing to Artmeyer, the manner that he did, and obviously that. He was in. He had a massive opportunity there as well. Yeah. Clearly, he's not. So he's clearly he's, he's still young. He still has plenty of time. But so far, he hasn't shown that he has the, the killer instinct. It's, it's something that he's going to have to to learn. Doesn't seem to be innate. So yeah, yeah. Certainly, he has another chance. But let's see if he takes it or or if he he goes out to Miami catch Menovic in the second round with, with a substandard performance. But yeah, I think. It's, this is going to be, I think, an instructive tournament just to see how how he fares, since he clearly has. You know, he, he, I'm sure he knows that he has a big chance here, being in in yeah. rude section of the draw. 
don't know if you saw the clips that they posted of, of him practicing with Djokovic on center court. They posted two points, and both of them were like unbelievably great by center. <laughs> he had like two spectacular winners, like passing shots past Djokovic. And I was like, this is a choice to post both of these shots, both of these points, like just center like peaking against Djokovic. It was it was it was yeah. as an editorial choice. They were great points. They were great shots that he hit, but also like it was kind of funny to see him like I don't want to say clowning, but him just like you know trolling Djokovic with these unreal practice shots. Um, so anyway, I he I mentioned Djokovic. He could play Djokovic in the semis uh, the, potentially this tournament which i think it's entirely it's what should happen if if people go to form in this match the rude section i rude is actually a draw winner also because he got very easy first rounds he could have lost to a lot of people early in this tournament but i think he'll be okay against locally Laurent locally um and then liam brody who's had some good maybe liam brody could get him in the first second round i mean liam brody's had some decent Wimbledon runs that'd be a big ass to be beat rude and then shapovalov is should beat him on grass talent but shove off is not reliable i think the person actually made the quarters of this section will be whoever wins the second round between batista agut and gasquet i think those are like vintage meaning old players who are comfortable on grass and yeah batista Agut's made a woman in semi i think he can i think he can make it make it to the uh the quarters here potentially in place uh place center maybe that's kind of what i'm thinking I'm going for a, a, a Lloyd Harris run. Why not? Sure. Lloyd Harris had a good run in uh, Mallorca. He played the semis, I think. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. He I think it. he lost to Eubanks. He did, yes. We didn't talk much about Eubanks, but Eubanks is in the final of Mallorca. It's his first tour final. Eubanks is in a tough section of the draw where he was up higher. Yeah, he plays uh, Cam Norrie second round potentially after playing Tiago Montero first. All right, let's get to this bottom quarter. Let's wrap this up. Andre Rublev. Is here as the number seven seed. He opens against Max Purcell. He can get Karatsev, and then could get in the third round Nicholas Hilmi Kyrgios. Potentially, Kyrgios made the final of Wimbledon last year. Runner up took the first set off Djokovic. Had, I mean, Kyrgios between July and whenever whenever he lost in September last year was one of the best players in the world. Like really playing top five level tennis at least at that in that very short stretch where he. Made the Wimbledon final, won Washington, and then beat Medvedev twice when Medvedev was number one uh, in Canada and at the, in New York uh, before taking a relatively shock loss to Hatchinoff to end that run in, in New York. Um, and and Kyrgios hasn't played much since then, really at all. Like he uh, he has had his uh, he, he hasn't played at all this year. He made his comeback to the tour. In uh, Stuttgart, lost early first match to Wu Yibing, I believe, and then yeah. pulled out of his next tournament. Yeah. And yeah, just has not been healthy, and and has just been kind of, I don't know, tough to tough to read and not confidence inspiring at all. And I see this draw where he gets Goffin, who's a solid better, and I and I think Goffin can and almost maybe should win that match against Kyrgios. I mean, what what do you think about? It's it's t- impossible to know with Nick, but like. Talk about sort of stocks rising and falling. The Kyrgios stock has to be so low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like in that match against um, Wu. He he was not moving. He was serving and just standing around. He was clearly not physically in shape. I, I'm I'm yeah. not sure. I'm I'm not sure how much you know how much. I guess a couple of weeks, but yeah, he he withdrew. That's the reason why he withdrew from his next two tournaments and didn't even you know give them a shot. So 
we'll see how much he's been able to improve physically since then. It is funny just to look back at last year, and although he made the Wimbledon final, um, I, I still think that the US Open was his big shot, and it was he knew it, and that was in his head, and he couldn't handle it, really. And was he actually he the betting favorite in New York? I think he might have been the betting favorite to win the US I, Open. I, he might have been. I mean, it might have been. It might have been Alcaraz. I, I think it. I wouldn't be shocked if Kyrgios had it. I mean, just like pure betting, not like actual analytics, but like he had so much momentum. Again, he'd won Washington, he'd beaten the number one, he had made the Wimbledon final. Like there was a lot going for Kyrgios on court last year. Um, and then I, I mentioned it some of his year, the whole you know domestic violence thing, which broke during Wimbledon last yeah. year, and then his his guilty plea, which then got dismissed, and then he has this thing happen in his reports in Canberra where like someone tries to like carjack his mom from his Tesla or whatever, like just it's been chaotic and which i guess it always yeah, is with nick but at the same time he just also feels more chaotic than usual like this the saudi thing we mentioned in our preamble episode like curious jumping on twitter to, to tweet cash emojis about how excited he is it's just like i don't know it just comes off thirsty as always uh, yeah you know i mean yes that's his yeah. brand but like it just it just all feels a little bit it, it doesn't feel stable right now and he's also been a big part of the i haven't seen it Second episode, second half episodes, but he's again big part of, of Breakpoint. I don't know how much that's gonna be a big part of uh, yeah, stuff. And he's, yeah, he's on Breakpoint talking yeah. about his uh, mental health struggles in the past and being in a some sort of mental hospital at Wimbledon 2019. And it's just, it's just, it's, 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 that's a lot of, a lot of talking to say. It's all just kind of sad, honestly. Like, at a lot of different levels, it's just, it's frustrating. Because he, 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 yeah. Andre Rublev is the seventh seed in here. If Kyrgios doesn't make it, Rublev is famously not comfortable on grass. Not awful on grass. I think he's better in this sort of, this generation. I put him ahead of Tsitsipas on grass. Yeah. But. It's um, not his best reference. No, I mean, but at the same time, this, the section, like, unless Goffin gets really hot, Goffin actually is like the most natural grass quarter here of people who are, I think, you know, honestly more talented, like a, I don't think Max Purcell is a game to make it for here, but he probably does like grass the most of these people. Yeah, I can't, I don't have a great read on this whole section outside of once we get to the next section, Sasha Bubbles, Alexander Bublik winning, winning Hala right now is probably another big draw winner. I mean, Bublik has to be, I think a pretty clear favorite to make the quarters and to get the Djokovic in the quarters and potentially be tricky for Djokovic. It's actually not someone who Djokovic probably wants to play. Grading on the curve of everyone is a huge underdog against Djokovic. Bublik is someone yeah. who's who's chaotic in a way that could disrupt him. And, and Djokovic did lose a set to, to Kyrgios, and Bublik and Kyrgios are such analogs on court in so many ways. Yeah, I I think Bublik... There's been a Hala curse. People have won Hala, have not done well at Wimbledon for many years in a row now. Mackie McDonald, first round, is actually not an easy easy draw. Mackie's pretty good on court. Oh, yeah. And McDonald's playing well, really, really well at Eastbourne right now. Just beat Fritz, right? Yeah, so yes. So he's in the, he's in the Eastbourne semis, I think, are currently rained out. Or he's, he's he's about to lose a semifinal. He's down in a, in a suspended five-two set in the third as we record this against Rondelo. But yeah, Bublik again should be the favorite in every match he plays, including against Felix, who's had a really down year. Um, yeah. Uh, and against Rublev, I would pick I would pick Bublik because Bublik beat him in in Hala. Um, yeah, I think Bublik, you know, should want himself to make a quarterfinal here. He should he should think that's his goal. Yeah, I, I yeah I agree. He's he's a favorite in that um, section. I, I'm not confident that we're still being up against Djokovic. Djokovic is in any kind of no, no, form. no. But but yeah, he, he but he's he's 
clearly taking a step forward. Uh, Hala, you're right about the, the cut. I mean, the results are crazy. Aside from Federer, almost every Hala of a Hala champion has lost in the first round. That one, yeah. And granted, there's been some kind of um, odd champions. Like I think, like Ugo Amber won, and and Chorich, like some kind of like unexpected champions in Hala lately. But it has it's been consistently underperforming. Her catch, her catch was a shocking one last year actually because her yeah. catch had a really good grass resume yeah. put together and then and then flopped at Wimbledon. We'll start with what we should have done. Probably this the whole men's show should have been this. Was, maybe all of it was a waste of time. Probably a fun waste of time. Like the yeah. Finally, Djokovic is is it's all kind of backwards because Djokovic is the bottom line instead of the top line where he's been so often deservedly. But who can beat Djokovic? Let's go through Djokovic's draw. Djokovic opens against Pedro Keshen. I don't think Pedro Keshen can beat Djokovic. It's a hard no. Jordan Thompson or Brandon Nakashima. Actually, not the easiest second round on paper. I mean, both of those guys are comfortable on grass. And, and no. Nakashima made the fourth round of Wimbledon last year. But can they be, challenge Djokovic? No, no, no they cannot. No. Uh, Echeverry, who's famously a Djokovic no. kind of fanboy. Uh, uh, <laughs> Barnaby, as you call him. Uh, Zapata Marias, or how they call him at Wimbledon. Rusevori, Vavrinka, can they beat Djokovic on grass? They cannot. None of them can can contend there. The 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 couple names I think potentially the hurdle is if the aforementioned Hubert Hurkacz peaks. He's the one person. But then again, like he's almost like a round too late. Like I think if he was playing Djokovic third round, and I know the seedings can't allow for that where Hurkacz is, but I kind of think by the time Djokovic gets the fourth round, he'd be able to handle a Hurkacz. But peak, yeah. peak her catch is someone who I could see beating Djokovic. And peak, we're talking about. Isner is in this section, too. Isner's has not had a good year. Isner's, like, verge of being outside top 100. Um, but not a comfortable player. He played incredibly well at Wimbledon last year to beat Andy Murray on center court. That was, like, a, a bizarre, like, out of nowhere kind of tour de force performance from, from Isner. I mean, he is somebody who, when he peaks, can take the racket out of your hand, even if you are Djokovic. Uh, Musetti here, too. I... I think Djokovic beats all of them, honestly. Uh, and then we move on to the next round, Bublik. Again, I pick Djokovic. Again, those are the kind of players, like big servers, kind of high chaos factor. Her catch, a little bit chaotic, medium low chaotic. Bublik, very high chaos. Yeah, Rublev, no. Uh, I, I, no one's. And then Sinner, Sinner. If Sinner is in the semifinals, yeah, yeah. and Sinner, again, that's a big if. He makes it, if, he, if he makes his first slam semi, and if he plays as well as he did last year, he can beat Djokovic. I'm but that's up. like, I think Djokovic has like overall, I've said this to somebody recently, it's actually to a Serbian friend who's trying to decide if he's going to get US Open tickets to see Djokovic win the calendar slam. Like that's what we're talking about at this point. And like I said, like, I think Djokovic has like a roughly like 70% chance of winning Wimbledon, which is high, but also 30% chance he won't. Like that's roughly where I put it. Like it's not a given. You think it's higher than seventy percent? You're shaking your head. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's high. That's really. To high. be honest, I, I, it's not a given, but I do think at this point he may be a bigger favorite at Wimbledon on grass than on on hard courts. His Wimbledon record is so good. He's he's one. He's going for his fifth Wimbledon in a row. I feel like people don't really get that, but he's going for his fifth in a row. He's one. He's going for his eighth. He's going to tie Federer. He's that's what he's going for the all time record at Wimbledon. It's the all time men's record. Um, the, the yeah, the record at this time is just unbelievable, and I think yeah, obviously the funny thing is that at least to me still, I mean, with the numbers as well, his his best surface is hard, his best semi is Australian Open, 
but he's so much the gap between him and the field is, is bigger here than and other slams and I think it also in general just like given it's not that age has done much to him he's still you know so good you know in terms of movement and physicality but the, just the being able to the, the serve being a, a bigger you know him getting more of a serve coming to the net playing more efficiently it just suits someone who's 36 and been probably you know been doing this so long and has probably a bit less patience yeah we'll see but there's just so few players who can, I think, have the ability to challenge him and and, and the understanding of the surface to, to do so. So, I just yeah. I just feel like I played myself by having him go by not doing the draw upside down, honestly, because he is so. Because I, if it started this way, it's like, why does anyone else matter in the draw, right? Because like, <laughs> he's no, honestly, he's that good. He has not lost a completed match at Wimbledon. Since Sam Query beat him in 2016, like that's so long. That was eons ago. That was like, that was like right when Brexit happened. That tournament. That's like how long ago we're talking about. Last time Djokovic lost a lost a completed match with Wimbledon. He's he's that was before Trump got elected. That's like that's so long ago. Like so many like you know fields have 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 bloomed and perished and watered and floods and famines and. Wars have broken out and, and all sorts of things. Honestly, things have happened. The world has changed so much since Djokovic's last one. And he's been a constant. And you're right. Something about the Wimbledon way he's done it has been stealthy in some way. Like, he's almost like in a lot of his wins, he hasn't been the main character at the tournament in some way. Like, he just, he, something about it, like, it's just sort of like, yeah, it's, 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 it's low key. Whereas Australia is like his brand. And he did win, uh, looking for, Australia's before he won his second Wimbledon. Like he got off to a higher start at Wimbledon at, at Australia, and he's been very, very great there. Uh, but Wimbledon, yes, yeah, has been so steady lately, and and you wouldn't think it because he's a baseliner, um, and a baseliner no. known for like being slidey, but he somehow plays that game not super differently on grass, and it works. And it's just like almost like he plays like a fast hard court, and just like really lets him get low and and centered, and yeah, and you would just think like there's some combination of something of some big server having a hot day who could, who could just hit him off the court. It just hasn't happened yet. in so many chances, like in so many years, rather like it has been query query did it. Query did that to him in 2016. That's what query did. But like, and Burditch who got the retirement against in 2017, Burditch plays that same kind of game, but gosh, Burditch Burditch was years ago. And he was his last loss. I mean, what, what are we talking yeah. about here? No one, no one who was like, no one beating this guy. I mean, like, you know, like, it's like, it's just, he's, he's, yeah, he's way ahead of the, uh, of the field. And, and it'll be interesting to see, like, I hope, I hope from what I was saying, beginning of the first episode, like the torch pass thing, right? I hope that Sinner, from a narrative perspective, I hope that Sinner and Alcaraz both get shots at him in this tournament. And I hope that they get a chance to be like, here we are stepping up. Here's what we got. Can we take him? And Sinner again. Sinner played so so well against him last year, like two decisive sets up. And then at the same time, it's one of those things that best five where Djokovic like gets a break in the third set. You're like, well, it's over. Like, oh, you had your fun. It, everything has to go so right for you, and he's just better than everybody. And yeah, I'm rambling, but he's he's he's. I mean, yeah, you, he's, you seem you seem like you're having an existential crisis after <laughs> after we spent so much time on the draw. 
I just feel silly for like having honestly because sometimes especially with the show running so long if I just talk about Djokovic first be like yeah let's ignore everybody else and just say Djokovic wins because he's gonna win like does that make sense yeah. I don't know no yeah, it makes sense um yeah I, 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 it's, it's he's I think he's just a happy 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 favorite and it's gonna take something shock, shocking to be honest and, and surprising and unexpected for, for a player to beat him, and, and there are only a few who can do that. I agree. It'll be nice to see um, to get to, to, get get to, shot at him. to get to what I mentioned, the calendar slam thing. I mean, he's we we both think he's going to get three quarters of the way there again by winning this tournament potentially. And then New York is where like the real intangibles and like the sort of pressure and the atmosphere kind of stuff really starts to ramp up, and that's where you add in the higher degree of, of chaos and and like I said, atmospheric pressure to not use that in the actual weather you know sense but um you know just the hype around him yeah. um well, yeah yeah also, but wimbledon I wimbledon's that, like a safe space for him i feel like at this time yeah and also i think that at, at the u.s open even if Djokovic is playing well a, a, a medvedev in form is, is a top up it, it, that's tough yeah. same with alcohol if, if, yeah. if Djokovic is playing well but it comes up against alcohol who <laughs> manages to control his nerves this time then that's a tough map. Whereas, just at Wimbledon, that just that that just doesn't exist. Uh, obviously, as as we said at the beginning, obviously Alcaraz is improving a lot, but um, it's still a big leap to, to think that he can go from just getting used to grass to, you know, hang, hanging with a seven-time Wimbledon champion over over five sets. If he can, then I mean, <laughs> all, all all the hype is. Just entirely, you know, it's all entirely just. Of course, it is, but it's all entirely justified. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's just tough to see anything but the outcome at the moment, and it's going to take something massive and new for that to change. My preemptive pragmatism in predicting Djokovic is also based on that Alcaraz match in Paris, right? That was hype, and then it turned into such a dud and such a such a sort of knockout. In this in this bizarre way that you don't usually see in tennis, you don't usually see someone on the canvas for the last two sets, essentially like that. That it makes me just makes me not imagine. It, it's it stifles my imagination, right? For what can happen at Wimbledon. That's basically it. Tamani, thank you very much for being on here. This was a long show, good show, long show. It's been real. I hope we can catch up again soon during or after the tournament and have a great time there. Enjoy covering it. And do you have any other, do you have any particular preview pieces for the Guardian that you want to plug while we're here? Yeah, I, I wrote about um, Wimbledon qualifying. Spoke to Andreva, Kenan, that should be live now. Um, spoke to, yeah, um, Shintaro, Suzuki. Yeah, well, just as a fun, like, revisiting of that after, given, as we discussed in the previous podcast, like, three hours ago, how yeah. things have changed at Wimbledon qualifying. Um, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm I've interviewed um, Anelina Kalilina, which was great. So that, that will be up um, on the weekend. Great. Super. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. You're welcome, everybody. Bye, folks. Bye-bye.